Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Isn't it great to be here tonight? Amen, amen. If you grab your Bibles this evening and turn to the book of Esther, turn to the book of Esther. I have preached a message this year that I many times um, from Esther chapter 9. I um, Tonight I will bring a different subject from this. Talked about even a three-week series I did here on Esther's progress, Esther's progression of faith, and uh, we are. Um, but it will not be that tonight. It'll be certainly something that I feel in my heart to talk to you about as saints and individuals. Uh, I know there's a lot of sickness going around. I can even see it in the attendance tonight. There's so make sure you're safe and. All those that are watching from home tonight, I pray that God blesses you abundantly. Verse 24 of Esther 9, Because Haman the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, descendant of Agag. Everybody say Agag. The enemy of all the Jews had devised against the Jews to destroy them and had cast per, that is, the lot to consume them and to destroy them. Chosen a day that on this day, on this day, the Jews will die. But when Esther came before the king, he commanded by letters that his wicked device, which he devised against the Jews, should return upon his own head, and that he and his sons should be hanged on the gallows. Wherefore they called these days Purim after the name Purr. I'd like to talk simply uh, on this subject. There's a Haman in your house. There's a Haman in your house. And uh, how many want God to speak to you tonight? I I think there's an enemy uh, that wants to destroy every single one of us. And sometimes he has authority even in our own house. I don't want Haman to have any authority in my house. Look at your neighbor say, sometimes you just have to kill Haman. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, I, I won't take a lot of time to tell the story of Esther, but in context, as Esther is the queen, she has been chosen by really the king of kings of the Persian Empire. And uh, she is in a position to make a difference. During this season of time that she is queen, it's the true Cinderella story. It really was. She was an orphan that became queen. In this, you'll find that, that Esther is in a position to have access to the king. And, and during this time, word gets out that Haman, everybody say Haman, Haman the Agagite, has made a decree that every Jew in Persia, 127 provinces, would be killed. And so the enemy has 
made a decision and has law to back it that every Jew in all of Persia is going to be destroyed. When Mordecai, her, her cousin who raised her, told her of this, he told her, he said, you have to go to the king and tell him what is going on. And she does. When she gets boldness and realizes the authority that she has with the king, she tells the king there is a problem in the land and there is a law that next year at this time, every one of my people, including me, are going to be killed. And the king says to her, who is this? Her response to her husband. Her response to the king was, it's that wicked Haman. Everybody say, it's that wicked Haman. I want you to know today that Haman is a type and shadow of the devil in our world. And he has devised a device, a plan to destroy every single one of us in this room. Jesus warned us of this. He even told one of his closest disciples, Simon Peter. He said, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. He said, but I prayed for you that your faith fail thee not. There is an enemy of every Christian. There is an enemy. The Bible describes him as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. Revelation declares him as that old serpent, the devil. He deceived Adam and Eve in the garden. And who's to say that you in this building can't be deceived even now? Jesus warns of him. Even his spirit, the son of perdition that would become known, manifested as the Antichrist. Jesus just talks to his disciples. Are y'all with me tonight? He talks to his disciples and they begin to say, when do we know the last days and when, when the Son of Man cometh? And he said, be not deceived. Everybody say, be not deceived. How do you find yourself and know that you're not deceived? I'm going to tell you, you've got to make sure you're in relationship and covenant with Jesus Christ and remain in his word, which is a light in the dark hour. You've got to know his word. Amen. We need the preaching of the word of the Lord. We need the teaching of the word of the Lord. And each and every one of you need devotion in the word of God. Every day we need his word. Why? Because the devil knows the word but will twist it to get you away from Christ. Just because they say they're a preacher doesn't mean they're a man of God. How many know this truth? He said in that days false prophets would rise up and some of them would even proclaim that they are Christ or teaching another Christ. You've got to make sure that you are in the book. What I do know is he warns us, and if you've been warned by Christ, you better stay alert. He said, be not deceived. But more than any false prophet, I'm not really worried about a false prophet. I believe in the word of the Lord that we can discern that and we can compare the false to the truth. When they don't line up with scripture, I'm not going to let their voice speak to me. I'm not just going to let anybody knock on my door and tell me what truth is. Amen. The Bible says they don't, they're not in the word of the Lord. He said, don't even let them in your house and do not bid them Godspeed or you become partaker of their false doctrine. 
I'm not just going to let anybody speak into my life. I want somebody that, that reminds me of Christ, that reminds me of the fruit of the Spirit, that is in the book and preaches the word of the Lord as a whole, not just portions to change us back to a worldly demeanor. Amen. Can you say amen? But I can't say that, uh, am I aware? Yes. Are there false prophets today? Yes. But I'm not worried right now of a false prophet coming to my life. I'm not really worried of the false voice that can come, yet I do warn you of that again because Jesus did. I'm going to tell you the greatest deceiver among us is your own heart. It's your own heart. It's, it's, not, it's not some new televangelist. It's, it's not maybe somebody knocking on your door. It's, it's not somebody passing by your job. I'm going to tell you the greatest deceiver in the building is your own heart. The Bible tells us that the heart is desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? It's deceitful above all things. Your own heart can deceive you. And I want you to hear me today. There's one thing the devil wants to do. He wants to get your heart not where it needs to be. Because when the heart's not right, it starts having its own voice and will deceive you to become something God never intended you to become. Oh, let there be an amen right now. I'm going to tell you the, the, the greatest fear I have in the room is the heart deceiving you. But the greatest preacher in this room is not your pastor. It's your conscience. Amen. It's the conscience that says no to this and yes to this. you got to be careful to listen to your heart. But amen, if there's one thing we need in this room, we need to have a sensitive conscience that words that aren't right bother us, things that aren't right, little small lies bother us. Am I preaching to anybody right now? I don't want my conscience to ever become seared. I want to be tender. Let the words of my mouth let the meditations of my heart be what? Acceptable. When you begin to live a life that will be pleasing to God, you will get in his word Said, if God's word says it, that's what I want to do. But I'm not going to trust my heart beginning to allow sin in my world. Begin to, I'm going to tell you, the justification of sin can be so terrible. That's why you've got to get in the book and when the Bible says thou shalt not or stay away from this, love not the world nor the things that are in the world. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith God, and touch not the unclean thing. He said, then I will receive you. I'll never forget growing up and there was a young preacher I preached a meeting with and uh, his peers later told on him that he made a statement. He said, I can watch any movie I want to. I can just, it doesn't bother me. Movies don't, I can watch any type of movie. No limitations. And you know what? It wasn't long until there was poison in his heart. The marriage failed and he's no longer in the truth. Why? Because what you watch, what you hear, what you embrace will become what you speak, love, and desire. I mean, no, it's true. You were made to conform to what is around you. That's why you as a parent, you as an individual, you've got to guard your atmosphere and watch you around. You get around negative people, you'll become negative. You get around people of unbelief, you'll become unbelievers. How I many know that? You become around bitter people, you'll become bitter. You, be, you come, get around people that are gossips, you'll become one. 
you'll conform to that. But on the positive of it, you get around a person full of faith. It won't be long. You'll start speaking faith, speaking love, speaking kindness, speaking truth. Let me know it's true. So the old prophet comes up and he says, the prophet comes to uh, um, the king Saul. And he says to Saul, he said, the Lord said to destroy all the Amalekites. Get rid of all of the Amalekites. And the prophet Samuel told him, and he said, I want you, the Lord said, get rid of all the Amalekites. They go to war, and, and he, he already prophesied to him. He said, you're going to have the victory, but you need to destroy all the Amalekites. You need to get rid of all of them. And, and what happens is Saul goes to war, and uh, Saul goes to war. He has victory. Samuel the prophet, really a pastoral level ministry in his life as a king. He comes to him and uh, uh, comes back and he says, he, says, he says to Saul, he said, uh, uh, Saul, when Saul sees him, he says, Samuel, just like you said, God has given us the victory. Oh, uh, amen. Then all of a sudden the background hears, he said, why do I hear the lowing of the oxen and the bleeding of the sheep? But why? Oh, 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 but, but, oh, we destroyed everything. But we kept the best of the flock and the chiefest of this and the chiefest of that. And uh, hold on a minute. That's not what God said. God didn't give you the discrepancy or you to allow the discernment to discern what was best and not best. He said, get rid of this. Get rid of that. Don't allow this in your life. Make sure you kill that in your life. Destroy that. And, and uh, oh, but, but, but why did you do it? Why did you do it? He said, because the people wanted it. Can I say to you today, you cannot live your life based upon what people want. You can't live your life about what culture wants. What your peer group wants. Oh, God's not going to get you to judgment and compare you to your generation. When you get in judgment, he's not going to say, well, compared to your generation, you were a little more righteous than them, so I'm going to let you in. He's not even going to go back generations ago and find the most wicked generation and say, in comparison to them, you've done pretty good, so I'm going to let you in. That's not how it works. He's going to open his book. He's going to open his word. And if you did not live your life according to his word, you will be judged according to the word and the obedience according to his word. Amen. As well, when God gives you a pastor, he gives you somebody that takes the word of God in its principle and applies it to the generation in which you live. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you can't smoke crack. Are y'all hearing me? Nowhere in the Bible does it say you can't smoke weed. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. It gives principles about not, not defiling your temple and talks about not being intoxicated and things of that nature. You begin. They didn't even have some of these things they have. They didn't have some of these things that we see today. But you've got to learn and say, God sent me to the church to get in his word. And it's sort of like Acts chapter um, 8 where he looks at the Philippian eunuch and he says to him, he says, do you understand what you read? And his response was, how do I unless some man shows me? So Philip, the apostle, gets up in that chariot. And from the same scripture, he begins to teach him what that scripture means. That's why you go to church. I'm going to tell you right now, the word of God wasn't just written to a specific generation. It's written to every generation. 
It's a universal book. It can be preached, taught out of in every continent, in every year, amen, all the way back to the time of Christ, and it be uh, relevant and applicable to that generation. Doesn't matter what language you speak, it doesn't matter what background you have, it doesn't matter what sins you've committed, his word is a book of principle for people that were made in his image. It's never out of date. It's never too old to read. It matches for my marriage, for my children, and for my soul. His word is forever settled in heaven. Can I preach to you for a minute? It's still a lamp unto my feet. It's still a light unto my path. It is still what works for us today. It's his word. Somebody shout, it's the word of God. Oh, it's the, I think you ought to thank him for his word. Oh, the authenticity of his word. It's not the word of man. It's the word of God. Well, the Bible says all scriptures is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. What does that mean? For teaching. And so you have to make up in your mind when I go to church, I'm not going there to mark off the box that says I did my religious duty. I'm going there to hear what his word says that will allow me to thrive in my generation. Not survive, not get by, and I barely make it to heaven. His word is designed for you to thrive spiritually, financially, emotionally, Family, his word is designed that your leaf will not wither when everything around you is drying up. Amen. His word is quick and it's powerful. It means it's alive. It's never dead. It's never dead. Oh, is anybody here when I'm preaching to you? His word is forever settled. I've hid thy word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. When you get the word in your heart, the Bible says train up a child the way they should go when they're old and want to part. What does that mean? It means there's something about the word that gets down on the inside. It's something that Alzheimer's can't wipe away. Dementia cannot remove. It's something that outlives the mental capacity of the body, even the physical condition of the body. It literally gets down into the bones of a man. It's his word. Somebody shout, it's his word. Don't argue with his word. Obey it. His word is alive. I, I, I never, I guess the only time I've maybe preached it one other time, but it was at Sister Aikens' funeral, and I, I, preached, I preached about there's something about the bones. And what a powerful move. It felt like we were at a conference. It's so powerful. Move of God. Uh, why didn't they break his bones? Speaking of Christ. Why didn't they break his bones? The Bible says not one of his bones would be broken when they came. And the other two, the thieves on the cross had died. How many know this? You know the story. They, they, they uh, uh, um, or, I mean, Jesus had died and uh, the, uh, uh, they didn't have to break his bones because he's dead. And they broke the thieves' legs and so they couldn't stand up and breathe, and uh, then they died. Why didn't they break his bones? Because his bones produce blood. Oh, the blood of Jesus. The prophets prophesied that his bones wouldn't be broken. 
His bones, the, the marrow that produces the blood in the body. It's the, it's, the, it's the blood factory. So bones, everybody say, produce the blood. How many know there's nothing like the blood of Jesus? The most valuable substance in the entire history of humanity is the blood of Jesus Christ. How many know it's alive? It still flows. It still covers. It still remits. Oh, if you believe it, say amen. I still believe it's never coagulated. I still believe it's just as powerful today that when I repent of my sins and get baptized, I believe his blood is applied to my life. Come on, I know it might sound, sound crazy, but the Bible tells us that when Abel died and his blood was put into the ground, the Lord said his blood cried to me from the ground. There's something about when you get the blood. I don't care how dark your sin was. I don't care what you did. When it covers in the blood, the blood of Jesus says they're okay. It's all right. How many know our sins have been remitted and washed away? Aren't you glad he gave you a new beginning? Because we live in his life that he gave at Calvary through the blood. Oh, somebody say amen. So the blood produces. Produces what? Life through his blood. Amen. But the blood also receives. The Bible says for the word of God and Hebrews 4 and 12, for the word of God is quick, it's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing, eating, and dividing the son of the soul and the spirit, and the joints and the marrow. Discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Where does the word go? It goes beyond the mind. It gets into the most deep depth part of your being. Do you believe that? I'll never forget the story of Lewis Hare. I've told it here before. And One thing about the anchor, I can keep telling stories, and you act like you heard it for the first time. Lewis Hare tells the, the stories told about Lewis Hare, a pastor from, from um, West Virginia, in Charleston, West Virginia. He wrote a lot of great songs, was a great man, great pastor. He, he, he left a dynamic legacy. And uh, in his older age, he, he got dementia. And um, he was in for an evaluation. And, and uh, the, the doctor evaluating his mind and his condition looks at him and and says, Mr. Herod, do you know what day it is? Such as Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. He had a glazed look in his eye. And he looked at the doctor and said, I don't know what day it is. He said, you know what month it is? January, February, March, April, May. He had a puzzled look in his eye. Looked up the ceiling. Looked back at the doctor. He said, I don't know what month it is. He said, the lady sitting beside you. Do you know what her name is? He said, he turns and looked at his wife. And he said, sorry, but I. I don't know what her name is. He said, here's a piece of paper. I want you to write something that you do know. And uh, he starts writing. Went just right to writing. When he, he said, when you're done, just set it there. And he set it there. He said, Mr. Hare, I want you to read what's on that piece of paper. This apostolic Pentecostal preacher with dementia that doesn't even know the name of his wife said, then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And he said, and there's one thing I do know, it's for you. Can I tell you, it goes beyond the mental capacity of the flesh and the blood. It gets down into the spirit of a man and woman. It is life. It is life to us. It's his word. Somebody say amen. 
That's why the devil does everything he can to get you to doubt the man of God. He does everything he can to get you to doubt the word of God because you have purified your souls in obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you obey his word, the supernatural will always happen. When, Amen. When the Bible says repent and be baptized, you can debate it, you can talk through it, you can look wild, maybe not. But I say to you, repent of your sins and get baptized and watch him do a supernatural work in your life. And he will fill you with his spirit. I'm telling you, there's power in obeying the word of the Lord. You can obey the law, but can you obey his word? You can obey your wife, but can you obey his word? You can obey your husband and your, oh, but can you obey his word? There's more to it than hearing it. It's when you obey it that it becomes powerful into your spirit. Oh, I'm going to preach to you. You've got to open up your heart and say, I don't care who hurt me, what came against me. Here's a word. Needs to get down there and heal everything the devil tried to poison. I need to get his word on the inside of me. Hallelujah. It's when you open your heart and let his word in through obedience. I preach this Sunday. You know what you do when you hear the promises of God? You step out in them. You start. You just make a motion forward. It's through obedience of his word that the power of God is, is open to your life. It's not good enough to be here. It can fall on a, it can fall on an unobedient ear and not have an effect. I've seen people white knuckle the seat in front of them because the word of God was moving. The Bible says no man coming to the Lord except the spirit draws him. God pulling on them. The word, they believe it's true. They know it's right. I need to ask God to forgive me if I would. He, he'd forgive me. All the hurt and pains and agonies, everything I've ever been through, I need to lay at his feet. All the things that the word God, word of God said, that Samuel said, get out of your life. If I just lay it down, he'd heal everything. You start believing it. You start believing it. You know why people don't? You know why people hold on to the seat? You know why they don't repent, don't get baptized? Because they're worried about what people are going to say. What's my spouse going to say? What's my family going to say? What are my friends going to say? What's my career going to be like? They think of everything and they grab that knuckle thinking about people. It's the concept of Saul. Saul was told, give this, give that up, lay this down. But he said, but it's the people wanted me to do this. The Bible even goes as far to say that the Pharisees, they many of them believed on him, but they would not confess him for fear of what others would do or say. Did they get the same miracle as Nicodemus? Oh, no. Because they chose not to respond to something they believed. That's why there's more to this than faith. Well, all you have to do is believe. That's not true. It's not true. James was hated for his teaching. But it's still the word of God. And that was, he said, show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. You can believe and not respond. Because faith is an action that you have to choose to move in. God's word will poke you with the two-edged sword, get down on the deep side of you and start stirring things up. But it's up to you to respond. Hey, listen, it'd be, it'd be real hard for me to go to a church that had powerful word of God with no amen. The Bible even calls Jesus the amen. He's the word and the response. 
You know why I believe he is the amen? Because as soon as you affirm, you believe by saying amen. I don't care if you shout hot dog. You need to do something. Hey, yes, very. You can even get real King James Versionist if you want. Yea, barely. I don't care. I don't care. You can sound dignified, theological. I don't care. But you need to do something when God starts speaking to you. Amen. You need to respond to his word because when the word comes in, it starts stirring something on the inside that you begin to say, hallelujah, amen. It's okay to lift your voice. You don't have to be as loud as me. You don't have to do what I do. But let there be a movement that says it's right. I know it's right. How many believe his word is right? Sometimes his word's uncomfortable. It's like a surgery. Sometimes you're not saying amen, you're saying ouch. Oh, uh, ah, that hit somewhere deep. And I feel tonight that if we're going to survive in this generation, Jesus in his teaching about the end time, he said, he said, offense must come. Offense is going to happen. People are going to offend you. You're going to be offended at so many different things. Offense is going to be sort of in the hour. We've never seen such things and things that happen to people uh, in their adult life, in their childhood. In the, in the, there's, there's just offense. He, 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 how do you deal with this, with this thing that somehow has creeped into your life and has hung a gallows to destroy you? And I, I want to say to you today that, that, that if, 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 if the word is right, and the greatest preacher in your world is your conscience, but the most wicked part of wicked, wicked voice you could ever listen to is, is, is your heart. What if I get offense down in there? What, what if somebody does me wrong in such a way that I can't trust? What uh, I, I realize where I pastor, so let me be the pastor of where I pastor. Uh, I'm not pastoring the 1970s church. I'm not pastoring pre-hippie movement. I'm not pastoring the pre free love, do whatever you want to do, love whoever you want to love. I'm pastoring the effects of those that broke away from Christianity and the, the counterculture, the hippie. And we are seeing now the product of the product of Mardi Gras and Woodstock and no limits on pleasure or desires. And now I live in a city to where 63% of marriages end in divorce. Uh, 40, 43% of babies are born out of wedlock. Most people that come to this church are going to come from a broken family. Most. Two out of three. It's not to condemn you, but we got to understand why and how God operates. And, 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 it, and it appears to me, if we're not careful, that somewhere somebody let something in that God said to get rid of. And because of this, it, it brings this effect. Because Samuel looks at a Saul and says, I'm glad you're having victory, but why do I hear the low of the oxen and the bleeding of the sheep? Oh, it's the people. People. Uh, I mean, I'm just going to throw it out. When I was a kid and I heard this type of preaching, it was like, why are you listening to that music that's been preached against, not listening to? I mean, as, as innocent as music, why? Why are you watching these videos? Why are you hanging out? There's stuff that's hidden in the purse. It's might be hidden in the pocket. It's hidden in your bedroom. It might be hidden in the ceiling tile. Why do I see things in your life that God told you to get rid of? And what started out seemingly innocent. And Samuel, Samuel turns around. The pastor, the preacher turns around and looks at Saul. He says, what are you doing letting this guy live 
Who is it? It's Agag, the king of the Amalekites. Study him and see what he did. My goodness, why have you let him? Well, we kept the cheapest. We just, it's like we kept what was popular. We kept what was noble. You cannot keep something just because culture says it's okay. What has God said? And what he spared produced a Haman that seemingly years was dormant through the descendants that rose up years later and became something that was an enemy of all the Jews. You remember what I'm going to tell you? What you had dormant in your life will become an enemy to your children. What you had dormant in your life. I, I pastored many amazing people that are in their older age, and it's typically people that are older that have shingles, not limited to older people, but mostly. And I, I pastored somebody, and matter of fact, in the case, Brother Woods, that you all know, that used to attend here, that is now physically not able to go to church, but his, his issue broke out when he had shingles. It's the worst case of shingles they'd ever seen in a Cambridge hospital. Never seen anything like it. But he had shingles in his body for decades. I saw one person that had shingles, and uh, they tell me, I'm not an expert, so I take it for what it's worth, but from what they tell me, that a lady had um, shingles, and she said the first place where this, the, 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 you see it on the skin, it's like a scab or whatever, a sign, the, the, the red sore, the first sore show it was in the eyelid, and she was told that that's where, that's where the shingle virus had been dormant. She's in her 60s or 70s, but it's been there for decades. It's in the body, just dormant in the body. I was almost 12 and working with my dad, building a church in Glen Ferris. And as kids would, they'd get in a hurry and hop up on a pile of boards with boards with nails that are sticking through them. And, and while I'm standing on a pile of boards throwing wood out the door, I stepped on a board that had two nails that drove a piece of the piece of the tennis shoe um, all the way. Brother Brian, it drove it all the way into my bone. And uh, I remember jumping off and pulling my shoe off and seeing those two nails stick up. And my dad took my shoe off, and I still dad, I screamed probably. And I'll never forget the, 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 the depth of that. And, you know, did probably look, looked okay on the outside. I'll never forget that that wasn't long. I, I was walking like this a week later. should have healed by now. And uh, it, it should have healed by then. But I'm, I'm walking around with a, a stiff foot and, and uh, oh, it's going to get better. We just thought it would get better. I mean, it's, it's just stepped on nails. It's not what I didn't know. There was something from the shoe that had been shoved into my bone. And uh, I'll never forget the night coming home from a youth rally. And I'm laying in the back sick. And I am so sick. Uh, so much pain. The throb that came into my foot was so painful. It was so painful. It looked good on the outside. Uh, went to the doctor and had to wake the doctor up that night in the ER. I'll, I'll never forget it. He came in and acted like it wasn't a big deal. What he didn't know, I was dying. I was. I was physically dying. I had uh, woke up the next morning and I am vomiting and I have a fever. 
my mom really knew then. Uh, it might look good on the outside, but there's something wrong on the inside. There became a reaction, not immediately after I stepped on it, but it was some time that that dormant issue began to rot from the inside out. And she took me to Dr. Fathy's office, and he looked at it and began to check me. I had a, t a fever. I had this, and he admitted me immediately. They went in. They did five surgeries. I'll never forget the first surgery. They began to exploratory surgery while I'm awake at 12 years old. Watched him shove needles all the way through my foot. I watched it. They were numb, and they were trying to find what was going on to do samples. I watched him take a knife. Are y'all feeling sorry for me? Because I do. I feel sorry for me. And, uh, but I watched him take a knife and try to stuff a drain up in my foot. And what they found, it was the worst type of bacteria that you could have in your body. I had it in my body. They scheduled me for surgery. My mom signed the paper where I, they could amputate my foot when I went in. It was that severe. I was dying, but you never noticed it from the outside. I looked perfectly fine on the outside, but it started changing from the inside. When they got in there and they opened up my foot, after they found out the infection that I had, they went in and my bone had turned black. They had to carve the deadness out of my bone, the black part of my bone out. It got a moon shape in my bone. All because something very, very small was dormant inside that began to eat away. I have seen it over the years. I've been here long enough now to have longevity with the most amazing people in the world that I pastor. Some of them, over the years, I've seen people in their 50s, out of nowhere, something that happened at 17, something that happened at 15, come up in their life and begin to be their emotions completely shattered and their trust goes away. They don't know what they're doing. Emotions are all over the place because something that settled in their spirit that they didn't know was there. Yes, they repented. Yes, they've been baptized. Yes, they're living a holy life. But somewhere deep down inside, there was something that happened a long time ago. It's almost as if there was offense that was planted somehow that had a gallows that was built that was ready to destroy them and they come to me and oh I'm troubled got these things hurt and anger and frustrations and emotions all over something almost like almost like shingles that was dormant in the eyelid of a person that didn't even know it was there until a low moment till the immunity is down then shingles begins to show up and, this, and I look at them do you love me yeah do you trust me to be your pastor yes you listen to what I'm telling you don't you do anything out of way. God's able to fix this too. This is not the end of your worship. What has occurred? We cannot determine Haman out of my house. I'm going to get every devised thing that gets me out of my house. I will not let this destroy me. I'm going to the king and he has authority over that which is against me. I want you to shout hallelujah. hallelujah. People don't drink the way they do because they're just alcoholics. Many of them do not do the drugs they do because they are just drug addicts. It's not just something genetic in their system. Maybe at times there is something more apt because of a genetic passed down that they have that this, this, this drug buy people up. They all drink the same liquor. They're going to cry. One's going to fight. One's going to dance. One's going to talk. Sound like I've been at the party, doesn't it? I haven't. 
I got drunk one time. Is that the dentist office? Gotcha. See, y'all thought I was reaching back under the blood and pulling this out. Amen. He was like, ooh, praise God. Even the pastor got drunk. Amen. I'm going to be all right. I don't know what that something something was, but it, I'll never forget when they woke me up and she is standing there. I just got my wisdom teeth cut out. They raised me up. I could hear them, but this sounded like they're a long ways away. Aaron. They let go of me and I fell back to the table. <laughs> raised me up. I remember going out and they're holding me because I can't walk. And I was just sobbing. I have a bad husband. It was so it was so dumb. I'm a bad brother. I'm a bad son. I miss my mom. And I look, she's got a video camera on me. I mean, <laughs> Boy, we saw that somewhere. That's, that's blackmail right there. But when we was leaving the dentist office, they said he would have been much fun on the weekends, would he? You know, crying the whole time. Everybody's gonna. I realize that people respond different on on things. I've never dealt with a person that was addicted that the substance was the issue. It was always deeper down. It was deeper down. Plucking, plucking uh, addiction and trying to get somebody to not drink, not pop pill, whatever it is, intake, whatever it is. It's like pulling a leaf from a tree, but the, that's not the issue. The issue's down in the roots where nobody sees things that happen, things that they don't want to admit things they didn't want to focus on. They want to just act like it doesn't exist. You can act like it doesn't exist, but it exists until you face it. Never forget the story about a young man, a young man, 25 years of age, and he's, he's all of his relationships have crumbled. I'll never forget this. changed my life when I heard this. said, finally, the counselor said, what is it that really bothers you? He said, when I was five years old, my dad, my, he said, my mother shook me like this and threw me to the ground and said, I wish you weren't in my life. I wish I'd have never had you. And 20 years later, it's the issue. Something at five that remained dormant. Everybody here could have something in. You say, why do you teach this? Because we, we don't have time for a, a, a crumbled somewhere down the way that the enemy would like to take something that somebody else did and cause us to crumble. I've come to tell you there is healing in this room tonight. And that's why he said, when you're forgiven, this is what you do. You forgive those that, 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 that trans, trespassed against you. Those that crossed lines, did things that were not right. There are people under the sound of my voice. There are some people watching right now that you went through a divorce. You went through something that wasn't right. And in that moment, you don't know if you could ever trust anybody again. But I'm going to tell you, that's a lie from the devil. You can trust. You don't have to have substance to make you get up and sleep better. You can get up, I'm telling you, out of that situation and live a joyful, peaceful, happy life. Do you believe that? I'm telling you, there is hope in Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Jump to your feet and shout, there is hope in Jesus Christ. I want you to shout it. There is hope in Jesus Christ. Amen. Somebody was telling me the story even recently. A man said he was just remained standing and come to the music. I am in the Holy Ghost today. You can act like it's not there. But somewhere it's away and it's eating. It's eating. It's somewhere it's there. It's, it's there. I'm going to tell you, God can heal it. I don't care if it's been 30 years. God can heal it. 
I have seen absolutely so many miracles. The greatest single miracle of my life was not my crooked feet being healed. Although I tell, tell it often. The greatest single miracle of my life is emotional healing. That happened on one day after a year and a half of numbness emotionally. And in one moment, he put it all back. And I can tell you, my cup runneth over. Oh, I feel that for somebody. Pastor, can I ever trust again? Absolutely. Absolutely you trust again. I heard a story even today of a man that said somebody had done him so wrong. He almost hated the man, was very bitter how wrong he was done. And uh, he said years later, year, many years later, he'd married and had children. And said uh, he was looking at a magazine, and that man's picture was on that magazine. And his boy sitting on his lap that's never met him said, I don't like that guy. He said it shook him to the core because he realized something that was in me had somehow got in him. You're questioning that tonight. But Hebrews said, beware, lest the rooted bitterness springs up in your life and defiles many. Kids like to drive Chevys because you do. They also hate what you hate and love what you love. And if you get bitterness toward the Lord, bitterness toward the church, bitterness toward, guess what they're going to take on? The bitterness. I don't want anything in me that would root bitterness. Look at your neighbor and say, bitterness, bitterness doesn't taste good. It's not sweet. It's sour. How many of you have ever been offended? Who's ever been done wrong? Some of your toenails lifted. We all have. I've done people wrong. Maybe not intentionally, but I'm a person. I'm a human. I'm sure I've said things from the pulpit. I know I have. I've, I've said I'm sorry many times. What I don't want, I don't want to offend anybody, and I don't want to be offended at anybody. I want to make that right. So the Bible says if you have offense in your heart, go to him and make it right. Lay your gift at the altar. Why? Because it's not worth harboring something in your spirit. Because offense will always turn to what? Bitterness. Next thing you know, you can't truly have the emotion God wants you to have because there's poison in the pot. There's a Haman in the house. Back on the point that I said to you is that Saul, if you'd have got rid of, how fast should you forgive? It's not a loaded question. How fast should you forgive? When they tell me they're sorry, crawl to me. I, I can't wait on them to get right for me to get right. Because they might not ever get right. They might have died not making it right. I can't let in my heart dormant things control my emotions anymore. Look at your neighbor and say, you can't, you can't change them. How many ever harbored feelings? Nobody. One. One. Well, I'm just telling you, we hold grudges in my family. 
talk to the hand. We got a three-month rule. I did have a lady tell me one time, she said, I've never been wrong. I probably, she said, Mom, she said, I've never been wrong. She said, it's just the way we are. I'm never wrong. None of our family's ever wrong. I thought, buddy, you need to run before you marry this lady. And uh, uh, I didn't say it. But, but if we're not careful. But the scriptural context was simple. Are you okay? Uh, look at you, how many's ever done somebody wrong? Let's ask that question. Everybody. Uh, he said, forgive us our debts. As. Same time. Right now. As we forgive our debtors. I, I know it's not talked about a lot, and I haven't talked about offense or anything, maybe in more than a year that I remember any subject of teaching of it. But I am to ask forgiveness and receive forgiveness as I'm forgiving. The Bible tells us that the Lord restored Job when he prayed for his friends. They questioned him. They come against him. But when he, bless him, Lord. Help him, God. Preacher, but what if they don't change? Tell you what, I'm not going to let them change me. I'm not going to let happen what happened change me. I'm going to keep a clean heart, a renewed spirit. How do you know you've forgiven them? How do you know you've forgiven somebody? Anybody can say, I forgive. Oh, I forgive them, but God's going to get them. I'm telling you, praise God, I forgive them, but judgment's coming. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Oh, I'm Christian. God's got my back. I'm telling you right now, they're in trouble. They're going down to the third level of hell. I've never heard of it, but I think there's one for them, praise God. They're going all the way down. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is when they no longer have hold on you and you hope they can change their life and live a better one. Forgiveness doesn't mean I trust them. I'm going to tell you what forgiveness does Forgiveness will let somebody else in their life When somebody else has done them wrong But lack of forgiveness will start putting everybody at a distance Even God People that are watching I believe online Maybe here tonight Have God at a distance Can't get close Can't feel it Just a level because somewhere offense has pushed people at a distance. Because I was hurt by people. I was hurt by a man of God. I was hurt by a Christian that should have done better. I'm going to tell you, we've all had moments like that if you've been in this very long. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to live my life with people at a distance. I'm not going to live my life with God at a distance. I'm just going to forgive and say, Lord, maybe they don't know what they did. How many know that's what the cross said? Jesus said the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
I'm going to let their hurt project me to greatness, but I'm not going to let it imprison me any longer. There's a Haman in the house. Zion, you live a good life. You're a good man. There's a great anointing on your life. But if he can't get, get you through the lust of your flesh, he's going to try to get you through the pride of your heart. He's going to come in with offense. And I have to be. But you got to say, I give no place to the devil. Somebody say, no place to the devil. I'm not, I'm not letting any offense turn to bitter. I'm not, I'm not going to keep what God has put. I'm telling you right now, what God puts in your life that you haven't forgiven from years, stuff you haven't forgiven from years ago, you'll take blessings and hold them at a distance. You'll take that wonderful spouse that God's given and the kids that God, and you'll hold them here because of something. I'm not letting something from years ago keep me from the goodness of now. Are you, are you ready for the question? Sounds like a business meeting. How soon should you forgive? Immediately. I'm not living in this. I know I preach what God has given me. But there's a Haman in the house that's devised the plan to destroy you because there's greatness. But I hear an Esther go before the king that says he can't do what he's planning on doing. I'm not going to let what the enemy meant for evil. I'm going to let God turn to good. Something's good's going to come out. Do you believe God can bring good out of this situation? How many believe God can bring good out of your situation? I just believe it. If you believe it, shout amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Preacher, I don't want to walk up front of anybody tonight. I'm, I'm embarrassed. I, I don't want people to think that I've got offense. I understand. This is something, a choice that you make. Not just at an altar where you've been inspired and impacted by the word. This is something that is a choice that you make that will set you free that you will live on live in and on from this day forward if you're here right now every head bowed every eye closed nobody looking around but me but you feel like there's some dormant things in your life you feel like there's some dormant things in your life what, what, what are you going to do about that pastor I'm going to go soul search I'm going to make sure there's nothing in me that doesn't please God if you're here right now and you say, Pastor, I've heard the word preached tonight. I'm going to go back and search some things and make sure there's nothing in there that's going to show up in a weak moment and bring destruction to my life. If, you, if that's you, it should be all of us really. If that's you, says, I'm going to go soul search. I'm not going to let yesterday's offense sabotage today's promises and blessings. There's a calling in you. There's a destiny in you. And you're imprisoned by the past. When if you'll do what I tell you to do and forgive, you're going to be empowered and fueled by the future. Greatness is ahead of you, not destruction. I said greatness is ahead of you, not destruction. You don't have to have fear of failure. You can have faith in love. That he's waiting on you to address an issue. You see, I'm not living this way anymore. I'm not living cold and dormant. I'm going to come alive in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, come alive in Jesus' name. There's an anointing that's flowing in this room right now. I wish your hands would begin to go up and you let God sweep over your soul. Come on, everybody that would, sweep over your soul.
I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. Come on, cry out to the Lord tonight. Somebody lift your hands and lift your voice and begin to praise Him. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Come on, the Lord is moving. The Lord's going to make a way. Lord, I pray the word that I've preached and I've taught. Come on, don't let Haman the descendant of Agag destroy you because of something that a choice was made years ago. I'm not letting that curse in my life. I'm not letting the family's failure into my heart. I'm not letting the marriage have failed into my spirit. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to let Grandpa's mistakes keep me from the promises of God. Come on, there's a Haman somewhere. I'm getting rid of it right now. What was produced by somebody else, I'm not letting it live in my life. Come on, if you're here today and you say, I want a new beginning, you can't change what they did, but you can change what you do. I want you to come to this altar with your hands lifted. You say today is going to be a new beginning for me. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Come on, that's in the name of the Lord. I'm going to trust, I'm going to love, I'm going to thrive. Security and inadequacy live in me any longer. I'm gonna walk in faith and confidence. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.